Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, April the 9th. I'm so glad you guys have joined me at my little corner of the internet. Today's podcast is going to be all about you guys. So I'm going to be answering your questions and talking a little bit about temptation and really just digging into the meat of God's word because that's where the answers are found. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. to head out to People's Church in Salem, Oregon. Hope you guys are going to come on out tonight. And tomorrow I will be speaking for their women's conference, Reignite, and I hope to meet a bunch of you there. Also, you guys, you keep sending in the most awesome stories about how you're getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. Crystal from Huntsville, Alabama, she wrote in and said, I am in the middle of my childbearing years. I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a baby, and I'd like to have more. So as you've mentioned, this is probably not my season to run for office, but I feel this big calling to run. I looked up political clubs and I'm excited to go to a Republican Women of Huntsville meeting next week. I may not be ready to run for office, but that doesn't mean I can't I can't start networking and figuring out what to do so that when it's time is right, I can jump right in. Crystal, girl, I love that you're doing that. And you're absolutely right. I was talking to my assistant, Melissa, about this on the phone the other day, just about the number of women that are writing in and saying, Heidi, I've got little children. Listen, you guys, lean in. If you are home and you've got little ones at home right now, that is the most important thing that you will ever do. It's the most important thing. You've got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a baby, and you'd like to have more, Crystal, and I agree. It's not an excuse. I think there's a difference between saying, I can't do anything because I have little ones at home, or it doesn't matter that I have little ones at home and I'm just going to do the thing anyway. Crystal's taken a really balanced approach by saying, hey, this isn't my season to run, but I'm going to go ahead and get involved in some local political clubs so that a couple of things you're going to accomplish right there, Crystal, you're going to be hanging with people who are making a difference. And when the time is right, you will have been very well prepared and very well versed in what's happening around you and God will use it. So I want us to be sure that we're listening for the Lord. We're not making excuses for our indifference or our inaction, but there are seasons when we can do more than we can do right now, the season I'm in. You know, I'm running for Congress right now. I couldn't have done that 10 years ago. It just wouldn't have been right. But I'm in my 50s now, you guys. I'm looking at a different season of my life and uh, I have the support of my family. So all the things are really, really important. Lauren from Hudsonville, Michigan said, I wanted to send you a quick note to say thank you for encouraging me to step up. Although I'm a homeschool mom, I couldn't stand the way my tax dollars were being used. Right, Lauren? You and me both. We had teachers posting Black Lives Matter posters testifying about their great abortion experience and opposite genders freely using bathrooms, all of which is being allowed by the school. My house is the house that always has the kids over, only four of which are mine. I love these kids and have a big opinion about how to use my tax dollars. Thus, I approached the superintendent and the board with a letter. After hearing other testimonies of little being done, I knew I had to stand up. We have a large group headed to the next board meeting along with student testimonies. We hope to see change. That's what needs to happen. 
That's what needs to happen, you guys. You can make a difference just by getting out there and getting off the bench and onto the battlefield in the area of school board meetings and attending and just listening to what's going on. Don from Lake Arrow said, hi, the way I got off the bench was to take over a non-accredited private homeschool so people could have the freedom to teach their children according to their talents, strengths, learning styles, and disposition. I love that. I love that. She linked back to, it looks like solmaraacademy.com. And I'll link back to that in the show notes today. Good job, Don. I love to hear it. Sarah from Brady, Texas. I'm getting involved in going to my state capitol to stand for life, family, the second amendment, and much more. My husband ran for Congress last year. And as a couple, we are trying to open people's eyes to the corruption going on, even in the Republican Party. You are not wrong. So I love that you're doing that. You guys, listen to what the Lord is doing. He's waking up his people and and we're realizing, oh, we're not just here to sit and soak and sour. We're here to actually get involved. We're here to make a difference. God has you guys here for such a time as this. He knew that you would be here in 2021, right? Right time, right place. That is a precious, precious thing to realize because it helps you to just be motivated to say, you know what, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. So that's really encouraging. Speaking of that, if you guys haven't left reviews for my podcast, or even if you have, and it's been a long, long time, we're working our way very slowly up to 10,000 reviews there. And we would love, love, love to hear from you. It's very easy to do. Just go to iTunes and click on leave a rating or review. If you could give us a five-star review and just say a couple of reasons why you did that, that would be awesome. Same thing is true wherever books are sold. It really does help us to keep the message getting out there and keeping fresh. I know a lot of you are listening to this right now going, shoot, I keep meaning to do that and I haven't done it. Anyway, it really helps us a lot and we are very, very grateful for that and for your financial support. All right, I've got a bunch of questions to get to today. A lot of you have been writing in about just struggles that you're facing and I got to thinking as I was boiling it down this morning that a lot of this is starting in the mind. It starts with our thoughts, right? And so I got to looking up in Bible Promises for Moms to see if I wrote on this and sure enough, I did. And I'll read to you a little bit from it, and then I'm going to answer some questions that have to do with this. The mind is a curious thing. We have thoughts, right? Some of them are our own conjectures. Some are divine flashes of insight or inspiration given by God. And some are planted by the enemy who knows us all too well. He ensnares us as we walk the familiar paths of worry. If we can get our thought life straightened out, it's amazing how much it improves our daily life. Life in the end is a series of choices, what to do, what to prioritize, how to act when no one's looking, but perhaps nothing changes our life outcome more than our thought life. Paul gives us a very specific instruction about how we should think, a prescription, if you will. He says, think about these things, right? You guys have read that. That's Philippians 4.8. And if you, as you read the verse, make the list of the things we're encouraged to think about. And whenever your mind wanders to regret to fear or to sin or to lust or to temptation. Look over that list and ask God to help you redirect your thought life. I'm, I know because I'm human being just like you guys, I can totally trip up in my thought life. If I'm not asking the Lord to help me, remember I've told you guys this a hundred times, the antidote for worry is worship. 
the antidote for panic is praise. This is this was true in the time of Jesus. It was true in the Rona. It's true right now. And we can allow ourselves to just go down this path, this sort of wormhole, if you will, of temptation. One of the biggest areas that we fall in temptation is the area of sexual temptation. And I've been getting a lot of questions about that lately, people writing in mostly because of what we see on the internet. We absolutely see that we live in a culture that is just obsessed with sex. And when it comes to sexual temptation, the only way out is to flee from it, to actually run from it. And I think sometimes we forget how powerful it is. And the first thing we want to do is have a healthy respect for the power of sexual temptation. We've had people on the show before who have gone through the pain of adultery in marriage, people who have committed adultery against their spouse. And I'm telling you what, almost always the first thing that I will hear is, I never thought it would get out of hand like this. And why does that happen? Because we have been created, we are created as sexual beings. And the Bible teaches us that we need to flee from temptation That means you run from it. You recognize it as an enemy and you go the other way. You don't hesitate. You don't compromise, right? 1 Corinthians 6.18, run from or flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So, So get this part, you guys. The temptation is not the sin. It's what you do with the temptation. So sexual morality always begins with a temptation to engage in sex outside of God's boundaries. Remember, we've talked about this ad nauseum here at the podcast. God's blessings are never found outside his boundary. The boundary that God gave us for sex is between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, in the uh, boundary, the confine of marriage. And when we don't run from the from the temptation, and women, listen to me, we all know what we're talking about, right? When we, you begin to have a thought about another person. Or maybe you're indulging in a thought pattern because of things that you're watching on the internet. And you know those things are wrong, but you justify it in your mind because after all, you're not actually doing that. But the Bible teaches us that our thought processes, not the temptation, but what we are thinking and what we're engaging in in our mind soon becomes what we engage in in our real lives, in our physical lives. And of course, the best example about somebody running from temptation is found in Genesis 39, right? When young Joseph, who was the son of Jacob, was targeted by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar was his boss, I guess, for lack of a better term. You guys know the story of Joseph, right? His brothers betray him because they're jealous. They throw him in a pit. They sell him to slavers. The slavers sell him to Potiphar. He winds up in this man's house and his wife, Potiphar's wife, is trying to entice Joseph into sleeping with her. And the Bible records that she tempted him day after day after day, but Joseph held firm to his convictions and he rebuffed her advances. So not only did he refuse to go to bed with her, but he wisely refused to even be with her. That's Genesis 39, 10. Men, listen to me. If there's a woman in your life who's not your wife, who is looking at you the way, right? or she's causing you to sin in the way that you think, stay away from her. Don't even be with her. And sometimes this can cost you. It certainly caught Joseph, right? You guys know how the story goes. One day when no one was in the house, Potiphar's wife pulled Joseph into her and tried to seduce him. The Bible records that she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. 
but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. That is what it looks like to flee. That's what it looks like to run. He didn't stand around or argue or give himself time to reconsider. He got out of the situation. And this is what the Bible is trying to teach us with regard to sexual temptation. Joseph had a healthy respect toward the power of sex. I remember being a young woman, not yet married, and my mom trying to explain to me why it was wrong for me to be so flirtatious that I could cause one of my brothers in Christ to sin. And I couldn't, I did not understand. I didn't understand sex drive of a man. I didn't understand, I didn't understand any of it until I got married. And I was like, ooh, my mother was trying to instill in me a healthy respect toward its power. And parents, you need to do that with your children. The sex drive is nothing to be uh, trifled with. It's nothing to, to mess around with. And Joseph understood this. And the Bible gives us two ways to overcome temptations, right, in general. But they're, they're really wisely applied to sexual temptation, right? The first one is to resist. It's to run. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And there's going to be times when you need to fight back and resist temptation. There's going to be times you need to stand firm. But I love that Joseph, seeing what was happening with Potiphar's wife, ran from her. We run, we should at least run from danger. If a building catches fire, we run out of it. When a hurricane's about to make landfall, we run from the coast. But sadly, a lot of times people see temptation coming and they don't run. Rather than run from it, we dabble in it, we deflect it, postpone it, we analyze it. Some people even embrace it because you want to, you know, live on the live on the wild side. And maybe this is because people don't recognize the inherent temptation. And remember, mom and dad, one of the things I love to tell audiences when I'm talking about marriage is I believe that the the marriages, as a general rule, are under terrible assault right now, absolutely in the culture. The adversary knows if he can take out the marriage, he's got a clean shot at the children. This is never going to be about you. Once he gets your your heart into it, once you're willing to compromise, he already has you. Now his sights are set on your children. And I wonder what would happen if we saw the real danger. We're very concerned about physical danger. We're learning that in the Rona right? Anything that threatens our, our body. But we're not as concerned with the spiritual dangers that the Bible says threaten the soul. In Romans 13, 14, the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Do not gratify its desires. So when, when uh, the apostle Paul talking to the Romans says, don't make provision for the flesh, making provision for the flesh is the opposite of fleeing temptation. So when you uh, indulge in the things that lead to sin. And this could be what you're watching on television. It could be the music you're listening to. It could be a friendship that just kind of, it just kind of teeters on that sort of flirtatious thing. And you haven't indulged the desire of the flesh, but you're not running from it. You know what you're doing? You're making provision for it. An overindulgent parent who winks at a child's misbehavior and gratifies his every whim is making provision for the flesh. And when we allow ourselves to stay in a temptation situation instead of running from it, you know what we're doing? We're saying we actually trust in our ability to not do the actual thing that we're flirting with doing. And then when we fall into temptation, we were like, wow, we can't believe it. 
we, we didn't, we never meant for that to happen. This is what I always hear when I'm counseling young married couples, or not even young, just married couples in general, when one of the spouses falls into sin. So the Bible says there's two ways to deal with the temptation. First is to resist. And the next one is to retreat as to run, to resist or to retreat. And this is what I love so much about Joseph, studying his character, amazing. And when you are in a situation, when you realize, oh man, this is causing me to sin, run from it. Your environment affects your ability to resist temptation. So if you're alone with a, with a person that's not your husband or not your wife, and you're feeling vulnerable, run, get out of that situation. Sometimes you, you know, you, this is why I never travel without my husband or without someone with me. I don't even want to give the appearance of evil. And it's not, it's not just that I don't want to give the appearance of evil. It's that I recognize I am a human being just like everybody else. I am prone to temptation and I don't want to sin against my husband and I don't want to sin against God and I don't want to sin against my family. And so I keep these layers of accountability around me, not because I've been tempted, but because I don't want to be in that situation. I understand that I'm a human being, right? Paul tells us that as you run from temptation, we should go towards something else. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue. So in other words, run toward righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's 2 Timothy 2.22. You see, wisdom recognizes the danger and temptation and wisdom says, run. Proverbs 22, verse 3. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Some of what I've been talking uh, about here today comes out of a book I wrote called Bible Promises for Moms. It's just $3.99. I'm always telling you guys, grab them in books of, you know, in a, in a package of like five or 10 and give them out to people. The Bible has the answers that we need for what we're struggling with today. I'm also going to link back to an article at gotquestions.com called What Does It Mean to Flee from Temptation? I know a lot of you listening to this right now are like, oh my goodness, that's me. If you are in a position right now where you realize that you are either flirting with sexual sin or or you're actively engaged in the thought process that will lead toward sexual sin, uncover it. Talk to your spouse, talk to your friends. The adversary loves it when we keep sin secret, right? Where does mold grow, right? Underneath your refrigerator. Why? Because the light never gets there. Shine a light on it. Make yourself accountable. You don't have to share it with the whole world, but find somebody that you can be accountable with. Keep some good books around you to read. Read the Bible. If you guys are traveling, uh, plan ahead, you know? make commitments to be on the phone with your spouse or whatever it is. It's important. You ask the Lord to help you. God will do it. God will help you. You want to fight the good fight of the faith. And it is a fight, right? Because the battle is a spiritual battle, right? I love Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 12. Above all, I always remember the hope and promise that we have in Christ, whose grace is sufficient for me. And his power is made perfect in weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. His power is made perfect in weakness. Fight the good fight of the faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12. His power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I'm out of time for today. I'm going to come back on Monday. 
And we're going to continue this little this uh, little Q&A thing that I've got going on. If, if you'd like to leave us a message, a voicemail, you can do that by going to anchor.fm forward slash message forward slash Heidi St. John. And that is where you can leave a message for the podcast. We love you guys. I hope you have a great day. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.